0: Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to Raver Sanctuary, your one-stop shop for anything music. Um, at least I hope it becomes that way. And uh, I have a very, very special guest with me today. This guy is a fucking genius. Um, if you haven't heard of him, you're definitely going to be listening to him after this. His name is Steven Frober. What's going on, Steven?
1: Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, so, Glad to be here.
0: hey no, thank you, man. So first off, tell everybody kind of like who you are, what you got started, and kind of like why you're such a big deal.
1: Okay, gotcha. Well, I don't know about big deal, but yeah, I'll I'll talk about it. So uh, I'm I, again, I'm Stephen Frober. Um, I my company is uh, SRF Audio Productions. I've been a guitarist for about twenty four years, and I've so I've been doing music most of my life. Mm. And you know, kind of, uh, I, I was in the military for a while, and was looking for a way to start doing music more seriously. So I ended up going on tour with a band in the Air Force for a while as their guitar player, and discovered that i didn't enjoy touring as much and so then you know i met my wife through that and we got married and i continued you know making music and stuff like that but i was just trying to figure out like how am i going to do this professionally because touring isn't really what i want to do okay so I mean, that,
0: that's kind of interesting because i know a lot of people or not a lot but i think a lot of people who might be getting into music you know might want to tour what was it about touring that didn't quite fit for you as far as it's not just wanting
1: a to that? it's yeah, no, it's a it's a grind. It is. Yeah. It is a lot of work. Now, let me let me caveat that and say if I went on a tour. So when we toured, we right. had no roadies. So we oh. were our own road crew. Got to get the and roadie, so, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need no, it was, and Yeah, it was like 60,000 pounds of equipment, like hydraulic lifts and amps yeah. and stage equipment, trusses, lighting. Uh, so, fuck. yeah, it sucked so that is kind of what made it bad now if i were to go on tour with like original music and i had roadies and i could just kind of come in and perform i I might consider it again but well and i see for the most part
0: and i see off your streams you do your own music as well
1: right i do yeah and that's that's what i discovered that i really loved is writing music writing and creating being in the studio and you know doing that whole process that's what really gets you going i enjoy so what so what is
0: so what is it you do now what's your company like what's the whole premise behind it
1: Yep, so now I'm a, a full-service composition, audio engineering, mixing, mastering, and music production, you know, one-man shop, essentially. Nice. Uh, so back in 2009, I, I kind of lucked out and got a gig as an instrumentalist on a movie soundtrack. It was uh, called 14 oh, nice. Blades. And, okay. uh, and so it was really cool. So that was kind of my first foray into film. And got me thinking about you know soundtracks and composing and video games and all that kind of stuff, and it really got me hyped up. Right. Then got lucky again because because I met that composer and worked with him. I got on another film. This one was uh, more recently, and it was like Jackie Chan, Adrian Brody, and John Cusack. Uh, it was, and that one's called Dragon Blade. Okay. Also got a got a credit in there, and then just kind of from there started working my way into like the video game industry, and mm. you know doing a bunch of songwriting and composition. So so like, I love it.
0: So like, cause I know I know you uh, you also do mentorship as well, right? Cause I know I've actually uh, taken some of your mentorship classes.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep, I do uh, teaching and instruction, and I love that. That's one of my favorite things. I'm an Apple certified professional in Logic Pro, and you know went to Berkeley College of Music, so it, I, I love also educating so i love the writing i love mixing mastering but then mm-hmm. you know helping people get to where they want to go in and, their music software
0: and you know what i think that's like a good like a really good thing that you do because a lot of people like for me or maybe other people out there who are so busy they don't they don't have time to go to school or maybe they work a full-time job like it's good to have someone like you there you know who can kind of teach them things that they would learn like in a musical school but don't have the means or the ability to get there that's what i really like about your uh, your company uh, specifically. Totally.
1: and you know what's interesting about that so Um, I actually went to school a little bit later, music school, a little bit later in my life. So I was a self-taught musician for several years. Um, In fact, for the first like 15 years of my guitar playing, I was completely 100% like by ear, Mm self-taught, no music theory, nothing. Then I started teaching myself music theory, learning jazz chords, you know, and kind of getting into different styles of music. Yeah. And then started getting into recording and mixing and mastering, again, self-taught. Yeah. And then finally, you know, like six years ago, I finally, to, to <laughs> finally decided to go to formal training and get it solidified. Nice. And the experience helped. Right. But what I realized in going to school and then kind of doing it more and longer was that there's so much misinformation about there about audio production in the home recording world. Yeah. And, and so for me, I was like, you know, I don't want anybody else to bite off on the stuff that I had to bite off on the hard way. Exactly. You know, where. Where people, you know, they freak out about them and go, like, "Oh, you gotta have this preamp in order to have this," and it's like, "No, no!" Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's funny too because
0: I think you know I learned all my before I started doing uh, lessons and things like that through you and some other mentors out there. Um, I did all my my knowledge base search on YouTube. And it kind of it kind of fucks you up in the end if you think about it, because you learn so much bad stuff through certain like tutorials or tips that once you try to learn the real thing, it's kind of like trying to unlearn a bad habit because you've kind of ingrained a certain process in your head. So really, in the long run, if you get that bad information, it's really going to tear your music production down. But right. with that being said, how important do you really think it is that someone has to go to school to learn music? Like, do you think that's really a requirement? Because I truly feel that if you have the knowledge in your head and you get the technical skills, you know, through learning from people like you, you don't necessarily have to go to school. What do you think about yeah, that?
1: Yeah, and that's correct. So I, here's my spiel on on music or on college in general. Actually, this is how I feel about higher education. So I think we've done in our culture we've done kind of a grave disservice by by making college explicitly this like gateway to a job, right? Exactly. No, You for go sure. to school and you study, and therefore you get high-paying job. And that really it does a disservice to the entire idea of higher education, mm-hmm. um, because when you first of all, when you set it up for that expectation, you are bound to be disappointed, especially in today's market, right? Um, because there are only certain fields where that's the case, and. And so it's, it's kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. So Mm -hmm. I would say that if you plan on going to music college in order to walk out the other end of it with a degree and somehow like walk into a gig from there then don't do it, it's, it's not going to do that for you. However, if, if you're going into it for, like, self-development, like, you want to learn, you want to fill in your knowledge gaps, and you're driven, and mm-hmm. you want to formalize your education, and you don't care what's on the other end of it, per se, right? like, you're going to be doing that stuff anyway. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, there, it's kind of a different thing. Like, if you expect the degree to... Make you. Yeah, to make you, then don't do it. But... If you know you're already going there anyway and you just know that the degree is going to help you on the path, it actually will help you. So it's kind of one of those things where as you put more into it, the more you get out of it.
0: I mean, that makes sense too. And I think it's kind of a cumulative effect like... Ever since I DJ'd this big festival, um, I got there just from, you know, practicing. And I gave, right. a, I gave them a good mix. And you know what? They said, hey, this is dope. Come out and play this festival. From that, I met a lot of good people and started to build a network. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's kind of how I think it all works. Like, if you have good quality and you have drive, just chipping away at it slowly is how you're going to get there. But I think people rush it too much. I mean, if you, ru- if you rush the process, I think you'll make these shortcut moves that'll probably hurt you in the long run. You know, totally. buying followers, buying things like that will fuck you up in the long run. So... absolutely well here's here's the
1: honest truth too like um nobody cares about what degree you have true and so in in that sense the degree will not help you however when you have the confidence in your skills because of what the degree gave you then Mm -hmm. it helps you in your networking so it's like again don't expect the paper to be the ticket because it's not but the ticket can be valuable Uh, In ways that you didn't think so
0: so in in your opinion right now like what do you think is like your honest opinion of like the state of the music industry for You know people who might be trying to get into it. It seems pretty oversaturated right now, especially for you know, my genre I'm a I'm a dance music guy and there's so many people out here doing dance music. Uh, What have you seen on your end?
1: Yeah, so this is I mean and it's the same in you know game audio right now if you want to be like a composer for video games It's Uh very similar. It's really saturated. So Here's here's the, the deal, I guess um, it's music. The music industry is more accessible than it's ever been. And then because of that, it's also more saturated than it's ever been. Yep. And so to get to get above the noise, requires a new kind of skill set so you know let's say even 20 years ago back in you know let's say the 90s yeah uh late 90s early 2000s you could have still the good good old days i was just coming yeah the good old days yeah (laughs) Uh, exactly um you could have still reasonably um made a dent by being you know like in my case a guitarist like if you got really good as a guitarist And you started a band, you know, and you guys worked hard and played shows and started touring, you could reasonably still do well. Mm -hmm. These days, that is no longer the case because now the skill set that's required to be a successful musician is really entrepreneurship. And so if you don't have that drive for entrepreneurship, in other words, and what I mean by that specifically, is constantly broadening and improving your skill set in a wide variety of areas that are not necessarily music-related. Yeah. Right. Right related to music but not explicitly music right yep. so the truth is that the best musicians are not always going to be successful especially in today's market right it's the one it's the ones who know how to put themselves in front of the right audience and and monetize it
0: i think and, i think the problem with that though sometimes is cuz Um, You can get into like a a bad spiral where you'll end up, because I kind of did this for a while, is where you'll forget the fact that you still need to make good music, you know? Sure. And because I know I got into a weird funnel where I was like, okay, I made this music, especially when the EP was coming out, um, which, oh, by the way, everyone, you can find my first step EP on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music. Just put that plug in there There right now. Um, (laughs) But no, when uh, the EP was coming out or before then, I was just releasing these little like small singles on SoundCloud and stuff. I was really pushing more of the marketing side of it. You know, I was posting a lot. I was doing the more, hey, get it out there kind of a thing. But unfortunately, some of the tunes I was putting out before that weren't really as good as they should have been for the amount of marketing that they were getting. And I think it's that weird balance because what you don't want to have happen, and I might've had it happen a little, I don't think enough to where it really hurts me, but if you put these bad songs in front of people, then they're not going to listen to you when you actually have that hit banger, you know, and you're just wasting money at that point. So I think it's that, that fine line between, you know, is it good? Is it not good? Or should I do the promo?
1: Totally. I, I mean, so there, there is definitely a, uh, uh, there's definitely, I think, some integrity as an artist that you ought to always be striving for the best content that you can create. Right. Um, and, and as much as it pains me to say this, I, I'm really, like, I would punch myself for saying this. But <laughs> but it's also true, and we got to deal with reality. Yeah. Quality these days is more about production than it is songwriting, unfortunately. Uh-huh. If you can make it sound good, even if it's shit. Uh, that is more important than having a really cool arrangement, composition, or like, you know, kind of backing song. Now, yep. ideally, you want both. And I think the people who can do both will rise above the yep. the noise faster, right? Yep. But, but if you have polish on the production side, you can get away with you can get um, you
0: can get there. I mean that makes yeah. that makes sense cuz I see it in the dance music industry quite a bit. Is you'll have the artists that really blow up. They kind of are able to generate their own sound and come out. And then you'll have the kind of I guess like the stragglers who still are able to tour and make music, but because it's kind of like replicated of what that other artist did, you never really see them doing anything bigger than just, you know, the casual show on Friday nights. You know what I mean?
1: Right. So Right. There's definitely a there's definitely a drive I think that's required now where it wasn't as necessary before because before you could you could write some songs and sort of be good Mm -hmm. and and if you stuck with it you could sort of make it right that's true and i think i think now it's changed in the sense that you must constantly be developing yourself and you must constantly be thinking of new creative ways to live off of your art really yeah. And and you gotta be kinda open minded and, and it, again, it's entrepreneurial skills more than musicianship these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, do you have any tips, like any like promo ability skills, any marketing skills you can share? Or like anything yeah. or anything else like to empower the indie artist right now who's not signed, who's still trying to get his stuff out there, like what's some things that totally. we totally.
1: Yeah, so the very first thing that you ought to do is begin treating your music like a business. And so this this is the thing I see happen a lot, where you know people are they're out there and they're and they're putting stuff up on SoundCloud and they're making music and doing mm-hmm. all this stuff, but they're not monetizing it and they're not figuring out a way to do that. Right. And again, the nice thing is that the music industry is more accessible. You can distribute to Spotify and iTunes and you know all this all these stores and start generating revenue. Yeah. So many people wait way too long to start doing that. Mm-hmm. And the more that you stream, the more that you release publicly, and it, it, it builds on each other, right? So your first album does okay. Mm-hmm. Then you release another one to some more buzz, and that builds it a little more. None of these things are going to make you rich, but it's that passive income stream that's slowly going to build up over time. Right. And if, if, you're, if you're going to be doing it anyway, you're going to be a musician, you're going to be releasing music. Start now, and then in five years with constant releases going up to Spotify and iTunes and, you know, stuff like that. At that point, now you've already invested this time and business strategy into people knowing who you are and having a lot of streams. And then that brings more. So So it's kind of on the exponential curve.
0: So what value would you give then to releasing certain songs for free or maybe doing like mashups for free? Like what's your take on like that balance?
1: Um, I mean, so I, I think that, Okay, so free is fine, right? You can do it. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, if you if you want to do it. But nobody that is going to be listening for free on those platforms is are going to be likely to, you know, then come and purchase, right? Sure. And so what what I try to do is like if you're going to listen on a free platform, listen on Spotify where at least ads are going to pay you a little bit. That makes sense. Like right right now SoundCloud's not even monetized and I don't know what their story is and yeah. if they're going to get out of this little hole, but that's ridiculous to me. Like we we have we artists have funded their platform essentially sure. through our work. And it's and it's a foul. I um, think
0: I think the I think the allure of like the SoundCloud spot is for like I know a lot of artists what they'll do is the thing that Spotify can't do is the free download option. So if you're trying to get like a mashup, like for example, when I'd release like mashups or things for free that maybe aren't licensed or royalty, I want DJs to play them. I want songs to play them. So it's a good way to get it out there as like a free download gate and then raise followers also through download gates and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can do that. I'd be curious to see what the numbers are of how that actually converts. Like how, how many people... Download, sure. Play it, you know, and remix it, and then how that converts into sales, sure. you know. Now, where that, so, so again, the the kind of infrastructure that you have in place makes a difference, right? Mm-hmm. So where I th- where I think that probably doesn't do anything, if and I'm just this is sort of an educated guess, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but <laughs> where I think where I think that doesn't do anything is for like the new up and coming artist who is like releasing on SoundCloud and it's making music and just kind of wants to get heard. Okay. I think I think doing that probably won't do anything. Where it would maybe do something is where like you've already got a website, you've already got merch, mm-hmm. you've already got stuff up on Spotify and iTunes with streams happening and then you play a festival and then you release this download thing on SoundCloud mm-hmm. as a specific marketing tool to drive to the other money-making ventures that you've already got out there. That may actually work. Mm-hmm. But but again, you already have a little bit of infrastructure in place. I think what you know?
0: we, I think what we need to do is we need to have one of the people listening who's like a super nerd go on to Twitter or super analytical guy, find those stats out, make a spreadsheet and send it to us at sho- yeah. shoesmedia at gmail.com and then on Twitter you can do hashtag prove Steven wrong
1: and <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah we'll, exactly. We'll, yeah. Hashtag, we'll hashtag prove wrong. Yep. <laughs> see where it's at. Yeah. And I'm I'm open to it, man. If if the SoundCloud stuff, you know, is what drives sales, great. Let's do it. But yeah. But I'd want to account for other factors. Because because you know for example, let's let's take the scams of buying SoundCloud followers and buying plays, right? Right. That was that was smart for the people who were offering that service because what is it doing for you? Like, what is it doing for the artist? It's, yeah. it's it's playing on the hopes and dreams. And and if you've done that, I'm not I'm not talking down at you. I'm actually mad at the people who offer that service because yeah. it's playing on the you know kind of the good intentions of artists who are trying to get out there. Yeah. Well, you know what's, and, you know what's
0: funny now is a lot of those sites actually mislead you. So I actually got caught up on on one of those uh those scams actually. Is I went on to this uh it was a site and I I was just curious. Cause I get these emails every now and again and I just want to see its legitimacy. And the site basically said, "Hey, we're uh, a SoundCloud promo site. We're going to pr- we're going to put your music in front of people and get you organic plays and likes, right?" So we're so it sounds like it's just going to promote your music, which is fine. Like if you want to repost the stuff and you get the organic reach, I was like, that sounds. this sounds legit. So I did, they had like different Aussie packages. So I went with the cheapest package. I think it was like $5. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and what really pissed me off is the next day I go on my soundcloud and I just see like a bazillion likes and I'm like, there's absolutely no way that happened if this is organic. So I'd end up taking the playlist down and just re it. next. So like, all right, whatever, you know, oh, wow. it's yeah. So some of these places don't, say oh it's going to be like automatic likes but if you buy it you'll then notice that like it's really impractical if you're not a huge artist to get you know 5,000 likes or 4,000 likes in a matter of a day you know what I mean
1: right so that's well and again I I always think of it just from the terms like okay so I go on SoundCloud right and let's say I find some artist yeah and I see some artist with a with a song that's got a hundred thousand plays or a hundred thousand likes or something you know like some high number like that right So, so what exactly does that mean to me? Like why, if I, as a non-musician who doesn't care about this artist, what, what do I do when I see the person with that many plays and likes? I I listen, right? And, and see if I like it. And then if I do, what do I do? I add that to a SoundCloud playlist. I mean, yeah do it. who, who goes then and, you know, purchases it or buys, it. I mean, well, no, I feel like, some... I feel
0: like that they download more off soundcloud. It's more of like a download platform is like okay. those, those songs will have more, like, and that comes more with, like the gates. You know what I mean? You have like a download yeah. gate, then they follow you on one of your social networks, you get their email and then it just builds up on that. Cause all, like all my soundcloud gates, um, if someone wants to download my song for free, they basically have to give me their email and, uh, follow, like support me on one of my social networks. And that kind of grows okay. that way. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and that might, I mean, again, I'm open to being convinced on that. I'd like to yeah. see some data to back it up. Um, I,
0: think, I think it's good for, I mean, I totally agree, with like, for the most part, like sending your originals to like these Spotify's and things like that. But if you have an unlicensed uh, you know, remix or a, a mashup, which I now understand using sounddrop.com, you can you know, put that onto those platforms. But yeah. if you just want to get like you know a mailing list up, like it's a great way to get your email list up because you'll have these people who give you their email to download the song. So then you know they have a vested interest in you. So then when you sure. email them saying, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, you can get that. And you can also thank them for downloading your music. I think it's a good sure. way. I think it's a, a decent way to get out there. I think it's a balance.
1: Yeah. Now, what I would say to that, though, is it's a, it's also a decent way to generate income. If you've done the remix already, just go ahead and license it and, yeah. and release it, you know, because then it's also going to generate revenue for you. So use, use both. Mm-hmm. I, I just... I would always recommend if there's any indie artists out there, yeah. don't just do SoundCloud. If you right. have a specific strategy with SoundCloud and it's working for you, great, great do it. Keep going with it and roll with it. But yeah. don't just do that. Get it licensed. Get it up into Spotify. Make sure that it always sends somebody to a revenue gener- generating location.
0: Then that And that makes sense for the income side for sure. So, yep. so switching gears a little bit. Because although you know having this great marketing strategy is freaking fantastic, you got to make a song first, right? It's got to be good. Right. It's got to sound <laughs> yeah. good. And this is gonna be this question is gonna be a little difficult because I know there's really no right way to answer it, but I just want your opinion. Okay. Is yeah, how would you say you to, you would how do you make a song a good quote unquote song? Like what is that in your opinion? Like how would you describe it?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I, at the end of the day, like regardless of style, that's what we're really trying to get at is, you know, what is a good song regardless of style? Yeah. And, and to me, a good song regardless of style is one that communicates. It's got to make a connection to your audience somehow. Uh, if it doesn't make a connection with your audience, then what's the point? Right. So now, however you do that and how you get there is, you know, of course, drastically different from genre to genre, mm-hmm. but you you have to be first and foremost focused on have I, Am I continuing to communicate to my audience? So let's let's put that now into a few practical terms, right? When when we're creating a song, we will often get in the zone because we're the ones making it, right? Yep. So let's say you got this cool synth chord and it's got an arpeggio going, and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is grooving," you know, and, <laughs> yep. and you got the kick going, and everything's great, and you just want that thing to go on forever because yep. it sounds awesome every time you hit the key; it's amazing. Yep. Well, love it for somebody else who's not creating it that that might've gotten old, you know, eight bars ago. Sure. Um, and so it's, you have to develop sort of this, um, this ability to curate yourself mm-hmm. and and sort of be self-critical to the point. And I, I don't mean like beat yourself up, but I mean like, listen to it and say, okay, yeah, I like it. It's cool. But if I, if I didn't care, well, how quickly would this, yeah. How quickly would this get tiring to me? Sure. And I think that question will help you kind of get to it. And then you know, okay, it's gone on for a while. That's cool. This is sort of catchy. How long until it feels repetitive, like kind of annoying to me? Yeah. And and try to ask those questions because that by asking those questions, I think you're getting to the heart of am I communicating with my audience still or am I just, you know, Right. Jerking off musically here. <laughs> I think <laughs> you know,
0: I know for me what I always like to do is I try to think of the emotional side And then also picture it in like a live set set like series Like can right. can I see the stage production with this song? Can I see people's reactions and then the hardest thing to do which I I hate it when this happens to me when it's not a Good reaction, but I'll go in the car and I'll play I'll play a song that's along the genre with someone that probably yeah. likes it and then I'll just switch to my promo without telling anybody and just see their reaction yeah. and Whenever you see a good reaction or something from there, you know it's genuine. But I have yep. done plenty where they're like, "What the fuck is this, dude?" And I'm just like, yeah. uh, <laughs> "I don't know." <laughs> switch. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Switch. Yeah. Next track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I don't yeah. know
0: what that was. It was it was a random Spotify shuffle. But I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is I know a lot of people probably want to try and get feedback from people in the music industry too or who who do music. And I think that's almost just as bad sometimes because we're going to think about it in a pretty logical musical mindset. You need to find people who have no musical knowledge and just listen to music to enjoy it. And that will give you a good reaction on if it's an actual song or not.
1: Yeah, totally. And actually what you just said, I mean, that, that kind of reinforces that point that I just said. Like, When you get in the car and you watch somebody's reaction, right? You're evaluating real time whether or not what you said through your song is effective, and that that is how you write a good song. So, if you're not in the habit currently of of evaluating your song from that standpoint of am I communicating to my audience, and even going out to get regular people feedback, not not necessarily musician feedback. Now, both are important, you know, like because you can improve your craft from musicians, but Right. Your main concern is who's going to be a fan of what you're saying exactly. through your music. You know? exactly. And that's who you need to find.
0: Exactly. And like how, I know it can be difficult sometimes, though, to stay creative during that process. Like when you're spending hours in the studio, you don't go anywhere, or Just, you know, especially in dance music, especially like, there's so many genres that get played out pretty quickly. And then it's easy yeah. to feel like you're kind of just playing into what's already big or like what's already been made. Do you have, like, what tips do you use to keep yourself creative when you're in the studio?
1: Um, do, do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. So I I have projects where I I call it removing your, uh, removing your filter. Okay. And what I mean by that is like you go in and on one song you do sort of like your serious artist production, you know, like you make a song that you want to release and like, yeah, this is me, dude. Totally. Yeah. And then you have these other projects where you just sort of like fuck around, you know, and, uh, and try stuff that you wouldn't try and that you actually Maybe even feel like a tinge embarrassed to show somebody, not because it's bad, but just because it's so weird and out there. Right. And and so, and do those projects, and what you find is that the more you do those weird projects, and then come back to your main artistic voice, uh-huh. you actually you actually find a little bit of yourself in those contrasts, and then that
0: kind of starts character. to
1: become. Yeah, that's that's what you need. You need your own voice. Don't copy whoever you like. Yep. That's already an influence, just subconsciously by listening to them. So don't try to emulate what they do unless it's educational right
0: i think that's you- the hardest thing sometimes though is like trying to find your own sound your own voice in music and that's actually something i wanted to ask you about it's like how do you find your own identity i mean that can be one of the hardest things to do because you get influenced by so many great artists and musicians and then you turn around it's like all right i have to stand on my own two feet amongst these giants and they can be kind of daunting to where you're like well why don't i just make a song like them like where like, yeah. where does that come from do you think your own voice because i uh, can well, be hard
1: I mean yeah, that, that is you're asking the fundamental question of all artists. I think mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, how do you find who you are? So I mean I, I feel like I am just now after so I've been playing guitar for twenty-four years, I've been a musician my whole life. Yeah. I've been recording for about fifteen years, you know, and, and I've so I mean I've been doing this a very long time. And I feel like just now within the last two years, mm-hmm. I've I reached kind of a new place where I'm starting to be comfortable with the things that I'm writing. Right. And do you think you know
0: and do you think and I do you think that that comes to a certain sound or do you think it's an arrangement? Like what do you think is in corpus in making like your identity?
1: No, no, it's it it actually has nothing to do with sound for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. For me, what it is is self-confidence and self-awareness about what it is that you really like. Um and and I kind of jokingly say like it's, it's all of your influences, including the ones that you sort of don't tell your friends about, you know? Yeah. A little little,
0: little Britney Spears here and there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like whatever, whatever your little guilty pleasure is behind the scenes. Like, so for me, uh, with, when I grew up, I was like a alternative, you know, kind of punk screamo rocker guy. Right. Sure. And so my whole circle, circle of friends is like, you know, guitars and drums and bass and dark t-shirts and, you know, long hair. And I was secretly listening to like smooth jazz, like okay. al- almost like elevator jazz. Um, and not the really terrible stuff, but like the stuff that had sort of like the Spanish flamenco flair. And I was embarrassed as fuck to tell anybody that I was listening to that behind the scenes. But the yeah. melodies and the chords they were doing was just crazy. It was like, how are they doing that stuff? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's Muzak and all, but like, these are cool chords. How do I do that? How do I put that in the, in a non-Muzak context? Sure. You know? And... And so I never told anybody that until now where it's like, no, that that's a that's a part of who I am. I reject the, you know, the sterile production of smooth jazz, but those chords and the melodies and stuff kind of stuck with me. And I take that now into this weird rock, you know, kind of dark electronic context. So, mm. you know, well, that's part of who you are.
0: What would you say your style is? Like, because I've, I've listened to some of your stuff and it's definitely interesting. I'll tell you that much. I definitely haven't heard a lot of music like the stuff that you make, like what would you characterize that as?
1: Awesome. Thank you. That's, that's a big compliment. I appreciate that. Um, I, so I, I'm trying to actually come up with like a quick pitch for what it is, because if I just say, Oh, like it's, it's uncategorizable, like that's right. so pretentious, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's got a, it's got a certain signature to it. I think if I had to sum it up, I would, I would say that it's like, it's like weird rock and electronic music. From somebody who used to be like into prog rock. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. So just just like weird, quirky, off the beaten path stuff. Yeah, rock orchestral, electronic kind of stuff. I guess. Yeah. You know. Huh. Um, yeah. I hope that's. Yeah. I don't know what I would call it. No. It's... Prog pop, prog qu- quirky prog rock. How about I mean, that? hey
0: man, go ahead and make your own make your own genre, man. Get it out there.
1: And then, exactly. And then I can say yeah. it, I
0: knew the guy that did it. We'll do a collaboration. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <What? laughs> but. And And honestly, that's what you ought to do. Like everybody out there, if you're listening to this, you know you've got these like under the tables you know playlists that you you turn off, like share this with Facebook, you know, so you can listen to it, kind of thing yeah, take that take that shit and own it. you know, yeah. be confident about who you are, but own it and like it and incorporate it into your voice, not copy it, but yeah, take that influence, the subconscious influence, and be proud of it and, and put it into your work
0: and I think that goes for trends too, like don't don't try and follow trends because. I know me, when I started dance music, I fell in love with like Big Room House, right? Yeah. So, so that's why I started producing with Big Room House. I loved it. I mean, it was I made some decent stuff, but then I got, I got bored of my own music at a certain point. And so yeah. I was scared to go to any genres because I was like, well, I've already been making Big Room House for so long. What should I do? And then I was like, nah, you know, forget that. So then I was like, uh let me just experiment with other genres which i did but then i got irritated because i was making like no progress and so then yeah what the biggest pitfall is is you see what's getting bigger like these people with new sounds new new types of things you try to jump on or like i try to jump on some of the bandwagons of like all right bass house is getting big let me make bass house you know Mm -hmm. um and i think what's good is like through that process you start to realize like what you like and don't like and I've come to finally the consensus of you know what you need to find things that you've done in prior and then implement that to make your own sound because the people that you're following have already made their own sound that's why they're where they're at and like so nailed it and like for me and for me I went back to my roots and I was like okay um, you know, in high school, I played the violin for 12 years. I was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Why don't I try to incorporate that into my songs more? So I've been doing that now and getting some pretty cool results. And oh, yeah. it's funny what you said about making stuff that you don't usually make because I was working. I have like probably two tracks in the works right now that are like string heavy. But then I, I had this random idea in the shower of a really heavy, like grimy. I'd say almost like a rhythm bass house mix dubstep track but when i was making the song because of the stuff i made with those strings those type of string melodies and arrangements that i made are now in this song and it sounds sick so yeah. it's kind of it's weird how that works out you know and once yeah, no it's awesome and once you make a, a song with a sound that is generally yours or you feel it comes from a genuine place and not a oh i just want to copy this guy it doesn't matter what genre it falls in because you can stand behind it and i think that's the key you gotta make perfect music man you, you said it
1: behind. You said it perfectly just now. Yeah. Like I I was, I was actually just about to say that and you, you went ahead and said it and it's perfect. People, people can sniff inauthenticity from like a mile away. Yeah. And when you're the guy that's, you know, trying to sound like whoever, right. People can, they can hear it. Now you'll get some people who just don't care and they listen and they're like, Oh yeah. Cool tunes, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Everybody else, like, it, it's not going to have... Because it doesn't have your heart in it, right? And exactly. so when you when you get over the, oh, what if this doesn't, you know, fit in? Get over that and just do you. Yep. And, and own it and be proud of it. And pretty soon, you're going on stage with this sound that's like... And people are like, what the hell? It's like yep. this mix of awesome, you know? Yeah. Because it's you. Yeah. And you're owning it.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you look at artists like... It can even sound similar, to be honest with you. Like, there's a, there's a kid, he's 18 years old. I met him in, um, I met him in Paris at the show. His name's Dion Timmer. He's a, uh, a dubstep artist, right? And he, oh, cool. he, works, he works with this huge artist named Excision. And his music sounds pretty similar to Excision's music. However, you can tell the difference just based off of some of the arrangement things, some of the instruments that are used. And I think that's the key. Like, if it comes from a genuine place, people will be able to sense that, you know? And it doesn't matter what you do, like look at Grizz. Grizz is a saxophone player who makes some of like the hardest, funky, like, you know, and he he mixes like bass elements in his music and it sounds so sick, but Hmm. if he didn't go full on with that, he wouldn't be there, you know? So you just gotta, whatever it is your thing, you gotta go for it. And if if you're lucky enough to have a live instrument skill set, you need to really find a way on how to implement that in the music because that is so key and so big. Because it is,
1: yeah, it's it just makes that. And you know what? You don't even have to have an instrument because you've got your voice, and you can right. manipulate it. Like these days, there's so many good tools to manipulate your voice. Like mm-hmm. you just go, true. Uh, make that sound, and put it into the synth, you know, and and put some delay on it, and and reverse it, you know, yeah. and, and alter the pitch, and so, and now you've got this like awesome haunting organic kind of synth sound that is totally unique to you. Nobody else has it. Exactly. You know?
0: And that's the key. Right gotta there. do it and also like this is just a sidebar is i've started to stop watching tutorials because what i've noticed is happening is when you start off learning like music production and stuff tutorials are a great place because you get to learn all the shit you need to learn right but right. i i now truly believe because there's so many tutorials out there that say how to make this type of genre how to make a song like so and so i think that really kills your like inspiration because no one can really, no one can teach you how to make music you know what i mean like they can teach you the skills on how to like do certain things like sidechain compression or how to make a set, a, something sound better But the moment you try to learn how to make a song a creative process from somebody else You're taking that away from you because you're letting their thoughts of creative process imprint onto you And I notice that in my music like when I don't watch like a youtube tutorial about how to make something Miraculously, it's so weird. The songwriting process is so much easier
1: yeah, imagine that. It comes right from within you instead of from somebody else. Yeah, Exactly. No, totally. It's, and it is. And, you know, the other thing about tutorials, too, is a lot of times, there there are times when monkey see, monkey do is okay. You know, like, you know, shit, I need that. What what settings do I use on the compressor to get this effect? You right. Know, okay, cool. Go for a tutorial on that. That's fine. But yeah, totally. Those genre tutorials are like the more creatively oriented ones. I, I just mm-hmm. you know, watch them, I guess, but... Just do it. Do it yeah. more. Do it over and over and be yeah. you. Because oh, no. you know.
0: the the one way that they're nice is I can definitely see for one is like let's say, for example, like future bass or future house, right? Those have mm-hmm. specific things. To those genres, like the way the bass and the kick hit. But once you learn, like that's the similarity. Take that lesson and then try and break it. You know, try and break yeah. that rule and make it into something different. And that's how you're gonna get out there. You know, you don't. Yeah, totally. You don't get there by following the same rules over and over and over. It just falls apart. Yeah so
1: yeah i agree nailed it
0: i wish i wish there was a better ways you know what i'm saying like i wish the game was easier sometimes but yeah
1: well and, and same thing with mixing too i i'm um i'm i participate so my my digital audio workstation of choice is logic right um i also use cubase and i've got reason as well but logic is you know i've i used it so much and so i'm on a lot of the forums that help people out with you know doing logic tips and one of the, I get people all the time that come onto the forums and it's like, hey, how do I make that professional sounding vocal? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and they're like, and, and I've got, I've got Waves Vocal Writer. It's like, <laughs> good, do, okay, that's, good for you, That's bro. good. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's really good. But like at the end of the day, you need to just be doing a bunch of songs with vocals in them sure. and, and do them and do it over and over and make 10 shitty ones and go man why can i not get this and to keep practicing and keep trying different eq settings and keep trying a different compressor because that's how you get better right there's no there's no like magic chain or plug-in or piece of hardware that's gonna suddenly go aha no more work for me Woo! turn it on like and there's there's none and it's It's, so
0: funny too because you see the big artists too like uh ADE just happened, it's like the Amsterdam dance event. And a lot yeah. of the big artists opened all their project files and showed their music. And the same the one similarity I see in every artist is just like, Oh uh, yeah, so I just kinda did this and it worked. Yeah, I don't really know. So I just tried this setting here. Like I'm not a professional really, you know, mixer or whatever, but you know, I had this idea and I did it and this is how it works. And then like Yeah one of the, <laughs> one of them asked like Barton Garrix, like, yo, how do you can you explain what's going on in your head or why you do that? He's like, I don't know, man. I just it's in my head so I do it. Like that's the key. If once you make a good song and the rest it comes to you and also you got to remember too these big guys do have teams behind them that do help with some of the the nitty-gritty stuff so you can't beat yourself too much if it's not you know top tier level when you don't have that team
1: for sure and and one thing i will say too is i i also don't as much as you do just need to practice and do it over and over I also don't subscribe to like blindly doing it. So like if you're just getting started, mm-hmm. do learn formal, you know, kind of music production theory as much as you can, like right. l- learn, but, but get it from good sources, you know, try to pick up some books. I know YouTube tutorials are easier, but get some books because at least there's like a little bit more of a filter that they had to go through to, to write and print this material. Sure. You know, and it makes it a little bit more accurate most of the time. So, you know, learn some formal stuff, don't just blindly go at it. But once you've got kind of a baseline, you know, where you 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 know how generally things work, you know how to record, you know what an EQ does, what a compressor does, what a reverb does, and you're you know, just get to that point as an artist where you can make tracks but you're just not happy with where they're at. That's the point where you know you're you need to yeah, you that's where you just need to keep grinding, yeah. you know. So don't, you got, don't keep you got grinding if you don't know anything. Yeah. Take, if you don't have the fundamentals, then, you know, don't just wildly go about it. Do read right. up on some stuff and watch tutorials. But when you're at that point where it's like, you know what's going on, but you're just not happy with it. Keep yeah. grinding. Keep practicing.
0: And I think that's the hardest. I think that's the difference is between like being a good musician and a great musician. you gotta learn. It's gonna take time, and you just gotta fight through it. Cause I've had so many, like this last two weeks have been writer's block for days. And during that mm. time, you really question yourself. Like, should I even be doing this? Like, it fucking sucks. But once you have those inspirational moments and that song hits, it's just like, all right, this is why I'm doing it. Let's go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And two, another thing I've gotten into the habit of uh, on that note specifically. Yeah. Is um i have this folder on my hard drive called the idea box okay and so what i do and that and that's what we were talking about earlier with that weird you know like do a a formal project that's like oh yeah this is my artist song and then do your weird projects where it's like ah let's see what happens when i do this you know i'm just gonna throw a reverb on before the compressor and let's see what happens you know (laughs) yeah and do all of that stuff may and every time you do it hit record And come up with a folder of like a hundred little eight bar snippets of stuff. And then when you're in writer's block, go through your eight bar snippets and pick one. And see what happens. And finish it. Yeah. And see what happens. Like, and just keep going and write another eight bars and then write another. Right. And... And eventually, you're going to have this little library of stuff to where writer's block becomes less of an issue because you've just always you've got all this material that you need to be
0: that I mean finishing. that makes sense too. And I also what I've done as well, like kind of to piggyback off that, is if you have that writer's block, it's also probably a good idea to maybe try and learn some stuff you don't know. Maybe like mess with some sound design or some things yep. you wouldn't do because if you're not making anything creative, you might as well just try to work on
1: something. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Do something to shake it off. Exactly,
0: because. The worst thing, although the worst thing I can say you can do, at least in my opinion, is don't try and sit here and write a tune when you have literally no inspiration. Cause I've done that. I've sat here, opened up a MIDI clip and just tried to like write melodies and stuff when there's like goose egg in my head. And I think that makes it way more frustrating because then you're like, why the fuck does it sound good? Does not sound good? Well, because, yeah. because you didn't have anything to base it off. You're just throwing notes together and hoping they would land. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And take breaks, you know, yeah. like if, if you're really hitting a wall creatively, you know, change your scenery. Uh, exercise, you know, go on a little mini vacation, mm-hmm. you know, something like change, change up your scenery. But nice. for normal kind of, uh, I can't think of where to go from here. You know, just change, pull out some of your other change it and, up. <laughs> By yeah, the change way. it up.
0: All right, so uh, before we wrap up here, I'm gonna do a little speed round with you. Um, okay, going to go ask you some questions and then uh, get your final thoughts, and we'll wrap it up from there. So sounds good. All right, so what's your favorite plugin for a compressor right now?
1: Uh, easy, that's going to be Isotope Neutron 2. Reverb? Um, I like, oh, um, uh, reverb, let's see. Uh, RC48 native instruments. EQ? EQ also Neutron.
0: Okay, oh yeah, Neutron is good. Uh, mastering yeah. plugin.
1: Uh, ozone, easy.
0: Okay, um, let's see here. Uh, saturator.
1: Saturator. so i don't actually use those too much there's one built into a, a nectar 2 that i'll use every now and then on vocals but i've actually got an outboard tube preamp that i'll use for any uh saturation kind of stuff so okay it's not
0: yeah favorite delay
1: uh i like the um uh, isotope um what do they call it is it DD D L 20 or something like that i don't know delay
0: i'm not sure you tell me yeah <laughs> is that yeah
1: let me i'll look it up you're
0: sponsored by isotope <laughs> i
1: wish right. yeah no i i just love them yeah, yeah.
0: i want to be sponsored by them hey maybe this maybe this podcast will get you there
1: yeah um, i love isotope stuff they're my <laughs> desert island plugins
0: nice what about uh favorite hardware
1: favorite hardware like outboard well, like outboard gear outboard gear so uh, you know yeah that's a, I, I mean I'm gonna go just with my interface it's a RME 802 okay because that is the most critical piece of gear it's got built-in DSP um, so that you don't have to deal with latency when you're tracking mm. and honestly I love it like all the other stuff I could actually it's all software these days yeah I have I have a preamp I have a compressor outboard but you know I rarely reach for them anymore uh, Favorite synth favorite synth uh, let's go with either omnisphere or alchemy for that
0: okay what's alchemy
1: Alchemy is now built into Logic. It's mm-hmm. it used to be by Camel Audio, but they shut down, and then Apple bought uh, Camel Audio out. And it's it's a just amazing, uh, granular um, and s- specular synthesis engine that you can take samples and mangle them. It's got all kinds of different waves built into it. Very very complex synth. Nice. Uh, I'd call it comparable to Omnisphere as far as that's sweet. You know, sound and ability to do things. So.
0: And you it it's built in, or you have to you have to buy it third party.
1: Uh, no, it's built into Logic now. Oh. Amazing! Is it's he, just phenomenal. That's
0: why I like, that's one thing I like about Logic is that Logic definitely has probably some of the best like in-board, like in the box, sense I've I've ever heard compared totally. to, compared to any of the other DAWs.
1: Yeah. no, it's, it's why I picked it at the end of the day. Cause I mean the sense on board, if, if you can't get a good sound with Logic stock synths, you just don't know how to use them well enough.
0: That That's true. That's absolutely true. Cause Ableton, I love Ableton for everything else. Cause I run Ableton obviously, but yeah. I wish Ableton had the inboard synths that Logic had. That's, that shit is so good. It's disgusting.
1: Yeah. Yep. It was very good. Um,
0: and then final speed question. Uh, what's your favorite real instrument that you could be using?
1: Favorite real instrument. Um, I mean, I hate to say guitar because it's my main instrument. No, I guess it would be like a, the Gaia I have a Korean zither that's called a Gaia Goom. Okay. So it's, tw- it's 12 strings. It's about like five and a half feet long. Yeah. And, and it's 12 strings. And the sound on that thing is just so incredibly meditative. It's beautiful. So it's, it's one of my favorites because it just instantly puts you into this other world.
0: We'll have to check it out then. Uh, how about your favorite song right now? What are you listening to?
1: Favorite song right now is probably going to be uh, an artist uh, called David Maxim Michik. Okay. And he has a song called Damar, D-A-M-A-R. And it's in seven, but like, it's so beautiful. It And it's this awesome sort of like weird, quirky, heavy thing. And he's got this melody line that's like this warped, like vocal synth thing. Yeah. And I just, I can't get enough of it. That's awesome.
0: All right, I'll check. I'll definitely check it out then, bro. Um, yeah. And anything else, any else from you? Any new projects anyone should know about? Any final
1: thoughts? Um, let's see. So I, I would say just for anybody out there, if you're an artist that's trying to make it, don't quit. Mm. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep going. Don't compare yourself. Don't quit. You do you. And then uh, let's see, for new projects, I do actually have a couple in the works. One of them uh, just recently finished up a, an orchestral a video game remix for uh, to help the hurricane victims nice. um, down in Houston. Nice. And so I am finishing up the YouTube video for that and it's going to have a cool release. So. Okay. And then a couple other ones that I can't talk about yet, but it will be cool when they come out.
0: So where, where can people find you, Stephen?
1: Okay, um, so my website is srfaudio.com or you can just search for Stephen Frober on Spotify and Apple Music and it'll pull me up. Also YouTube. If you search for my name, like all of the top Hits should be all of my different social and music outlets.
0: Humble brag, <laughs>
1: ha, yeah, a <laughs> L- little humble brag. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, well, hey guys, thank you so much for listening.
0: Stephen, thank you for coming. Uh, yeah, like, thanks for having me. Again, I'm your I'm your host Shoes. You can find me at www.shoesmusic.com. Uh, I get I'm on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Just search Shoes, uh, and I will pop up. So until next time, guys, peace.